Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. I hope you're doing okay this morning. Hopefully everyone got on your way in, or most of you, a domino. If you need one, now is your time to wave your hands wildly. It's not critical, but if you want one, um, and if we have any extras, if the ushers want to bring those, thank you, Wayne. And if anyone does not get one, I told Wayne I would personally find you this week and give it to you. And he said, don't do that. Don't, don't track people down. The domino's not worth it. Uh, we're in the middle of a series right now where we're talking about the core values and purpose and mission of Hope Church and sort of the things that we believe um, Hope Church is meant to be about and really that we believe that each follower of Christ is meant to be about and those things that should be driving our lives. And today we're talking a little bit about something called justice, social justice and serving the world. And these things I think are very important, things that the church should be um, all about. And as I was thinking about this message, um, I started thinking about, again, the domino. And I think God gave me that image. And I was thinking about... um, moments where you kind of have this chain reaction, this uh, something that happens that becomes uh, sort of, again, one person starts it and then it keeps going and it becomes almost like a phenomenon. Um, so I don't know, how many of you remember uh, years ago, I think it was 2013 maybe, in a Newington Starbucks, there was a record for people paying for the person behind them in line. And I don't know who started it, um, but I guess according to an ABC article, it, we, it hit a record of at least a thousand people paying for the person behind them in line. Um, and it's funny because if you think about it, it's like, oh, well, it's not a, maybe it doesn't seem like a huge deal if one person pays for the person behind them. But when it became one person and then another person and then another person, and then it just became like this almost turned into a culture, a little miniature culture in that Newington Starbucks of thinking about the person behind you more than just yourself. Maybe you can think of some other chain reaction moments like that, where somebody had an idea, they started something, they gave up something, and it encouraged people, maybe even thousands or more, to follow. And again, you have your domino today, and I don't know if you've spent any time recently looking up domino videos where people like stack the dominoes and then they make all these cool, oh, it's a, it's a time suck. So I spent way more time this week than I should have watching domino videos. Um, but I really believe that um, maybe if you, if you end up in that like, time loop this week, maybe it's okay because I think God wants us to be a little bit like the domino. And I want to show us today how um, we, are made, we are made to give our lives up for those around us. And God is like this master domino builder and he's put us in this place for a reason and he's put us around other people for a reason And we are meant to serve and give up for one another in love. And as we do, I really believe that's the beginning of this beautiful picture of justice that God is designing as the master builder of that domino set. And so we're going to get to that a little bit of what the kingdom justice looks like. But I want to start with this passage, 1 John 3.16-18. through You've probably heard of John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son 
for us, right? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But this is actually 1 John 3.16, but it's a related theme. And so we're going to jump in here and see how maybe it relates to the domino. Um, Verse 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with action and in truth. And first, this is a power-packed passage, isn't it? Um, we have right, right off the bat, we have sort of this definition for what love is. And um, we, we've, you know, maybe heard the passage on, on what love is. Love, it's patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. But here, uh, the Apostle John is saying that really we can sum all this up in Christ himself. The image of Christ and, and what Christ did for us, the sacrifice of laying down his life for others, that is what love truly is. And we might be tempted to complain about this a little. I know when, whenever anyone tells me like, that I need to give up something of mine, I have like this stubborn reaction that is just right there with me. Um, and maybe you feel the same way. But I really believe that what this, this passage is humbling because it reminds me that God is not calling me to do something that he did not first do himself. And when we consider the sacrifice of, of Christ, when we consider that he literally gave up his very life and breath for us and died on the cross, And then he says, I gave that up for you. Now you go and do that for others. Jesus is what I would call our inciting incident. You know, in the the story when a chain reaction starts, there's an inciting incident that begins the whole process. And Jesus is that inciting incident, that first domino that fell for us. Okay? And so when he gave his life up for us on the cross, he gave his everything for us. And the full weight of his love and his sacrifice and his mercy, that is what propels forward. And when we experience the full weight of what Christ has done for us, then we in turn, not out of obligation or guilt or, or, um, you know, some sense of duty even, but we feel that weight of Christ's love in our lives and then it compels us, it propels us to go and love others, to lay down our life for other people. Every single domino chain of love, I believe, can be uh, traced back to Christ's sacrifice for us. And again, throughout the New Testament, we're going to see the scriptures tell us to lay down our lives for other people, to put others' needs before our own. And we see that we do this because of Jesus, always because he set that example first. Um, I think a lot of times we'll sing these songs, um, and there's one in particular that always gets me, the Hill Song king of kings song where it says um, you came to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation jesus for our sake you died and i think sometimes i have to remember that jesus when he died on that cross he did so for the joy set before him and the joy set before him was you The joy set before him was you and you and all of us here. And he saw this big picture of salvation and that's why he pushed through the pain and he pushed through the suffering. And sometimes God's gonna ask us to do things and give up things that are painful or difficult for us. But he says, remember that I did this for the joy set before me and I'm setting joy before you too. Remember my sacrifice and why I died for you. And then go and lay down your life for your brother and sister's 
Jesus says he's the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. Never forget that God, we sang that today, it was such a beautiful song. God is love and he teaches us love because that's, that's who he is. He cannot be other than that towards us. And I know in the context of Jesus, we see that he gave up his life literally, but I don't just think that, that the apostle um, John here is telling us to lay down our lives um, into death for other people. That may be the case sometimes, but you're going to see that sometimes he's saying instead, I want you to give up the, the life, the things you have a right to, the things you feel entitled to, your resources, your love. I want you to give those things up, lay those things down for the person right in front of you. And this makes sense because in verse 17 of this passage, we immediately see that the idea of love is connected with, hey, if you have material possessions and you see someone in need, give that up. Be willing to lay that down, not just your life. And even though the, uh, the domino is symbolic of laying down our lives, unless you're a six-year-old you know, boy and maybe you're picturing the domino is just like knocking people over. Um, I get that. I feel like I've got boys, so that's probably where they're thinking right now. Um, but I really believe that the idea of the domino that I want us to take away today is that when, God's, when we feel the impact of God's love in our lives, then we fall forward and we defer humbly to others in our lives. And it might look a little bit like this picture. I found this um, on Pixabay. I thought this was kind of cool. This idea that we're all dominoes and um, we're, we all are put in the path of somebody else, right? And I, again, maybe you think of that domino or the, the Starbucks line of person, person paying for the person behind them and the next person and the next. And in the same way, I believe that as a body of believers, we, first of all, are in a long line of saints and believers who have gone before us and they're in this domino trail. And we can all trace back our origin story, the, the, what we've experienced, the good things in our life. We can, we can trace that back to what others have gone before us and given up for us and, again, back to Christ originally. Um, but my first question to you today then is this. Who is standing in front of you? Who is standing in front of you? Because I'll be honest, we talk about serving, we talk about social justice, and a lot of times, at least for me, in the church, sometimes we talk about these big service things, and we talk about these ministry opportunities, and we talk about going and, and, and sending people out, and that is, that is a beautiful thing, and we should do that, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to be careful here that I think sometimes it's easy for us to sort of stomp on the people directly in front of us in our attempts to go over here and, and try to do this big thing for God, Right? Sometimes God says, in your haste to go and do ministry, in your haste to volunteer, in your haste to wherever it is you're going, do not miss the people that I've put directly in your life, directly in front of you. Maybe that's a roommate. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's the kid sitting next to you in your algebra class. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you today. Do they have a need? Do they need patience, compassion, a few extra minutes of your time? Um, good deeds that are for people far from us sometimes feel easier. In fact, sometimes it's easier for me to like throw $20 at somebody than it is for me to sit for 20 minutes and really be present with the person in front of me. And I was reminded, I was humbled this week because I, I had a moment on Monday where I was like running around and I had a, a meeting with someone from my school and then I had a staff meeting and I um, was rushing out the door and I literally brought one of my kids to tears because I was rushing so quickly. And I had that moment where I was like, God telling me, your, your meeting is not important, more important than this little person in front of you, right? 
So recognize that person that's right in front of you, and sometimes that means slowing to be with a kid, to be with um, our parent, to, to listen to that person that maybe sometimes would be annoying to us, but we say, they, they need a few minutes of my time, and being sensitive to that person that's in front of us. Because I believe, especially those of us who have kids or, or maybe um, a family, we, we don't want to do things at, um, at risk to our kids. We're, we're gonna, following God will sometimes cost our families things, right? I met a family this week who's a missionary to Papua New Guinea, and she's um, about to have her fourth kid. Now, raising your, your four kids in a whole different country, in a village, and, and like a place where they don't even speak the language right now, that's a big change, right? That's, that's something that's going to impact those kids. And so I don't mean that sometimes when we live our lives in, in obedience to God, it will impact those in our lives, but it should not be um, in a way that tramples them. It should not be in a, in a way that diminishes the people that are closest to us. And I think we need to look and pay attention to even the way that Jesus lived his life. Um, and I'm just constantly um, challenged by looking at the way Jesus lived his ministry because even though his overarching ministry was to go to, to die for us, right, to, to this massive plan of salvation, that's why he came. But at every step of the way on his process, on his journey to the cross, do you know what Jesus did? He was interrupted. He was interrupted by countless people every day, and Jesus, more often than not, stopped and paid attention to each person that was in front of him, the person that was right in his path. And so I want you to think of those people in your path, in your context. Who are those people? And what does it look like to love them well? Maybe you think about your, in any, a week, any given week, maybe it's the, the mom at soccer practice, and you've noticed that when she talks to you, she's, she's really stressed and she, she's struggling with a child that maybe has medical issues, and, and you can hear in her heart that her soul is desperate for something more. What does it look like to love her right there in the, the 30, 45 minutes you have at soccer practice? What does it mean to hold space for your kiddos when they come home from school and they dump their backpack on the floor and they're angry because they've had a long day and they, they you know, say, you never have the snacks that I want you to have, and and everything in you wants to say, oh my goodness, you have no idea what I do for you every single day. But maybe there's a voice in you that says, okay, look at this, look at this face in front of you. Hold space for where they've been. Maybe, maybe be willing to just have a curiosity and ask them how their day was. Be with them. Who is in front of you? How might you be called to give up something that you are entitled to maybe in order to love them well? I think if we want to create the kingdom culture of, of social justice, of serving that God wants for us, it starts with that person right in front of us, right? We can't skip over those people. And in fact, I want to just pause just for a minute and just ask God to show us if there's that person that we are overlooking in our daily lives. So um, you can join me here. God, um, I pray that we would be a people that, that see the people right in front of us and not just, not just chase after... Um, after volunteering or ministry at the expense of others. So I ask God if there is anyone in our lives for each of us that we are overlooking, that we are not seeing, that we are, um, that we are not giving up our lives for, um, that you'd bring that person to mind. Um, and God, that you'd show us today how you want us to lay down our life for them. Thank you, God. So that's the first half, right? 
we are meant to look at the people right in front of us and recognize that God is inviting us into this kingdom, right? And we, ha- we do have a choice. We have a choice to surrender or not. And we can, we can let God place us in this beautiful domino pattern that he wants and we can be willing to surrender and bow to his vision. Or we can not. But I believe when we do we will begin to see that it's not just about the person in front of us and the person in front of us. Sometimes maybe that's all we see, but when God is looking, he sees this much bigger, beautiful vision. And this is important because God, I believe, cares deeply, very deeply about justice. And when we read about Jesus, when he came to earth, one of the things he said is, he said, he's preaching good news because the kingdom of God is near. And the kingdom of God does not operate the way this world operates. It operates by different rules, and the kingdom rules are about God's justice. They're about his heart. And so when God calls us to lay down our life for others, he's really inviting us into a countercultural kingdom. He's inviting us to begin to live out his justice regardless of whatever political system we happen to be in, right? And interestingly, this idea of who is standing in front of us is one question that I think people first asked when, when they heard about the kingdom of God, when they heard about the coming of the kingdom, because there's a man named John the Baptist, and John was sent ahead of Jesus to prepare the way for him, to make room for him, to prepare people's hearts. And John the Baptist also talked about the coming kingdom. He says in Matthew 3, 1, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And in this kingdom, your chief identity is not a label of the world, but a child of God. And so he ushers this in. And as he preached to people and as, as, he, as he talked to people, people would come to him from all different backgrounds. And I think it's very interesting what these people said. So Luke 3, 10 through 14, we're going to look at this passage for a minute. Um, John was preaching to the people, and the first group says, What should we do then? If the kingdom is coming, what should we do? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, What should we do? And he replied, Don't extort money, and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And I never noticed it before, but there were three different groups of people that came to John the Baptist, and they each were saying, okay, the kingdom is coming. We, we want to repent. We want to be prepared for it. What, what do we have to do? And I believe that the answer that John gives them is, is different for each group, but essentially, John says, what's in your hands? He asks each of them, what's in your hands? Who is in front of you, and what's in your hands? Because I believe that Jesus is telling us and John is telling us that the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom, is connected to the way we love others. It's connected to God's heart of justice. And so, a little quick context here. At the time that John was preaching and at the time that Jesus was was doing his ministry, uh, the Jewish people were under occupation by, by the Roman government. And so you had tax collectors there that were, again, taxing the people on behalf of the Roman government. You had the soldiers who would have been stationed to prevent uprisings and also to just enforce Roman rule. And so this is a very diverse crowd that's coming to talk to John and that are asking what they should do. And so to the crowd, John is saying, listen, these are difficult times. This is the regular person. Maybe it's a, the, the me and you, the people just in our everyday, um, we go out into East Hampton, we go out into Marlborough, the people we encounter, 
recognize if you have something, if you have material goods, if you have material things and you see someone in need, give those up for others. If you see someone who's really going through a hard time and they need a meal, offer to bring a meal. Do what's in front of you to do with the things that are in your hands, right? And so you might be someone, again, someone who bakes, someone who has a little extra money, or maybe you don't, and you say, I have some time to give. I have, I have a few minutes to stop and, and sit and be with someone. God wants us to ask who is in front of us and what is in our hands to give. And then to the tax collector, John says, okay, obviously you have to collect enough money to, to meet the requirements for, what, uh, for the kingdom of this world, right, for what you're being required to do in your political system. But just because you're in the world, remember that you live under the king, the king and lordship of a different kind of kingdom. And maybe today John would say to us, um, be careful that you're not earning your career, your dollar, whatever, at the expense of others. Begin to notice that one root of poverty is greed. And so when, we're, when we view earning our, as much as money as we can as our right, God might say, okay, Notice where you can serve others maybe by living lightly, by hoarding less, by being generous, by letting go of even opportunities for yourself if it means others will have what they need because that's what justice looks like. That's what laying down your life looks like. And to the soldier that came and asked, what should I do? I think this is interesting. The, the soldiers would have been the people that had some power, right? They had some authority. And to them, he says, don't extort money, okay? Don't, don't use your position of power or influence to, to gain for yourself, but recognize how you can use that instead to serve and love others. Um, and he's saying, basically, you know, maybe, maybe you are here on earth are an enforcer of the Roman Empire, but remember that truly you're actually an enforcer of a different kind of kingdom. And what does it look like to look at the benefits conferred to us? Maybe in our, in our context it would be, what are the privileges we might have because of gender or race or geographic location, right? Or, or class, and God might say, where can you learn to give those up, to lay those down, remembering that Jesus says, I left heaven, I gave up everything I had a right to, everything I had advantage, that gave me an advantage, and I said, I'm going to give that up for the joy set before me. And God then calls us to do the same thing for others. Um, and this leads me to a side note that I want to be careful. Again, um, sometimes... I think we can look at social justice. Um, I, I, want, I want us to be able to see that person right in front of us, but I also want us to recognize that sometimes, Tom talked about this a little bit last week, sometimes we can start to surround ourselves kind of with all the same people and all the people that, that maybe think the same way, but also maybe that are in the similar social setting or social position. And I believe sometimes God is saying, listen, I want you to be aware of when you need to step outside of your, of your group, of who you're with, and recognize that there might be other people that desperately need my hope, that desperately need my love, that are, not, that are not in your path, but they need to be. They're not there right now, but I'm calling you. I want to transplant you over here. I want you to, to encounter another group of people who maybe thinks differently. And I do believe that sometimes God is calling us to even, to even ask, well, you know, where are there systems in place? Where are there uh, currently things in our world that are broken, that are perpetuating cycles of injustice or poverty? And how can we be part of standing up for those people? Proverbs 31.8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. If you look throughout the Old Testament, I was talking to my dad this week, the idea of justice 
is so prevalent. God's heart from the beginning has been about justice. And the truth is that God gets to define what justice is, what that looks like. But it's his righteousness. It is what is morally right or good. And Jesus then, God, is the administrator of that justice. But he calls us to be people of justice And so he calls us, again, where we see oppression, where we see the needy, where we see the poor, to step up, to speak up, to defend the rights of others, maybe even to interact with people who think differently, who vote differently, so that we understand their context. And I really believe that as God brings you out of your comfort zone and starts putting you in the path of other people that maybe you're not used to to engaging with, you're going to start hearing stories. You're going to start seeing um, a picture maybe that you didn't realize before. I know God has done this a little bit in in my life, even just with like foster care. Sometimes you're going to say yes to one person, like, okay, I'm saying yes to a kid. And then God at the same time is going to say, yeah, that's what you think. But I'm going to use this encounter to open you up to this next person this person who maybe has experienced poverty, maybe they've experienced incarceration, maybe they've experienced homelessness or addiction, and I want you to speak into that life. And then God's going to keep breaking us open more and more and more and growing our compassion for other people. And it becomes this huge, beautiful domino effect that cascades, and you have no idea maybe how that one life, that person that you, maybe, maybe you'd say, I would never talk to this person like just based on what I know about them. And then when God finally puts you in their path or in them in your path, and you actually get to know them, and you actually hear your sto- their story, you realize, okay, no, no, God has given me so much, and this person needs hope, they need love, and they actually have a lot more in common with me than I thought. And may we allow our hearts to be broken by God, broken open for the people around us, and may, God, may we allow God to put us in the path of people where maybe we don't feel comfortable at first, because he says this is where you need to be, to love others God wants us to realize that um, in his kingdom, his kingdom culture is designed so that injustice cannot flourish. And so may we be people that are kingdom people that recognize when he's asking us to stand up for others. The same may be true of you. I want you to think about your context, whether you are um, someone maybe who's a teacher and maybe you work with kids and, and that's your job. But you may start to recognize that really your job also, if you're listening to the voice of the Spirit and paying attention to God's kingdom, that, that kid that comes in week after week that's, that's angry and struggling, maybe they need something. Maybe they need some extra love and support and God is putting them in your path right now to love them deeply. And what does that look like? Maybe it's, maybe you're, um, I don't know, maybe you work at a, a, a business or a job. Again, the, there's that person that uh, you can just tell their life is, is oriented around, around money and the rat race and they're um, burnt out and they're stressed. And maybe God says you get to be a voice of hope to offer a, a counter reality to this person to, to help them see a different way to live. Don't discount what God might be doing right in, in, your, in your context where you are, and don't discount what God has put in your hands to do for others around you. And so I would, I would say, as we, we say, who's in my path, right? Who's in my path, God? What's in my hands to give? And then, is there someone who needs to be in my path? Is there some place that you're stretching me 
that you want to move me. And I would say even when Tom began this whole message series, he talked about how as a church, God may be stirring something for you. God may be stirring up something for us as a church as a whole. Um, and I would just challenge us to, to recognize where God may be asking us collectively to lay down our lives for the good of the community around us for the good of, of the world around us. And maybe today God is, is stirring in your heart and saying, saying, you know what, I think God is calling me outside my comfort zone. I think God is calling us to move in some way, and may we be sensitive to that calling. Tom's going to talk a little bit um, as we close out here in a minute about our GLOW team, Global Local Outreach is what that stands for. And it is one way that Hope Church tangibly tries to be the hands and feet of God, and it's one way that we try to recognize that there are people directly in our path in this community that we can love and serve well. And so Tom's going to share a little more about that. Um, but I would just pray over, over us as, over, as, as a church that we would begin to notice where God is calling us to see people that maybe don't look the same as us, that maybe don't have the, um, maybe don't even show up here on a Sunday, but what do they need and how can we love them deeply? So I'm going to send you home today with your domino, okay? And if you don't want it, I promise you can put it back. I, I know I like, as a parent, I'm like, if I have one more thing, I'm going to step on on the floor. I'm just going to throw it away. Um, if it's going to end up in your trash, feel free to give it back to us. My kids will, will find a way to use it. But my heart is, if you take this, if you're a visual person like me, maybe because I'm a millennial, um, I like symbols. I like things that remind me of something else. And so maybe for me, if, maybe this is something that I put on my, you know, on the dashboard in my car. Um, or maybe it's something, maybe like by, you put it by your sink and when you're washing dishes or whatever it is, wherever a place is that you're going to see it or, or a place that you're going to need a reminder, I would ask that you put it somewhere this week and say, okay, whenever I see that domino, God, First of all, remembering the great sacrifice that he gave for you. Remembering that he's the inciting event, that he is the, the first domino that laid down his life for us. And then ask God, okay, who's in my path today? On this drive, at, this, at my work, with my kids, who's in my path and what does it look like to lay down my life for them? And as we do that, as we enter in that relationship with God and we, we are going to realize that we are truly part of this massive domino system that God has intentionally and painstakingly and, and, and yeah, so purposefully put us in and that he is creating a beautiful kingdom of justice through our daily surrender. And may we be those people of surrender. God, I thank you for who you are. Um, God, I thank you that... Um, God, that you're speaking, that you have a word for each person here, and I ask that you would challenge us all, um, that somehow we would see that we were not just meant to live our lives in comfort and security here and now, but that we were meant to give up what we have for others. And I pray, God, that you would even, even today just put a joy before us, a vision before us of how, um, how we get to be part of what you're doing and the way you're loving the world around us. May you call Hope Church out more and more. May you um, just show us how we can be your hands and feet and love deeply those in our community. Um, and thank you so much for your love for us. Amen.